Okay, y'all are going to have to talk back to me, please. I'm black and I'm Baptist. Y'all need to talk back to me. Okay? All right. This can be as painful or as easy as you want it to be. If you talk back to me, it'll go real fast and I'll get you out of here early. Um, first, I want to say thank you to Zach for the invitation and the introduction. Um, I know that your position here commands a lot of respect, and it definitely should, but I'm not going to lie. Every time I think of you, I think of you throwing candy in my classroom, laughing like a maniac, and then leaving. So um, it was kind of hard for me to know where to start because your campus pastor gave me like a big blank canvas. Um, so I'm going to start by giving you some information about me that might help you understand why you've got a random black woman that is not a central alum. Um, that has never been to a chapel service before, standing up here talking to you. Um, I'm going to warn you, my typical target audience is 10, so like half your age. So I tried really hard to make it appropriate for college students, um, but if I miss the mark, just laugh anyway, and we'll get through it a little bit faster. Okay? Okay? Okay, thank you. All right, so um, I was born and raised in McPherson. And during my childhood and teenage years, that seemed like a huge cross to bear, like so big. Um, my goal, my only goal was to get out of McPherson and never come back. Um, I hated everything about this town. I had friends here, but I didn't ever really feel like I fit in. Um, I was too black for my white friends in a way that you don't really understand unless you've been the only spot somewhere. Um, my hair didn't look like theirs. It didn't do what theirs did. Um, I'll try to explain it a little bit, but you won't get it unless you've been there. So my parents were both raised in the South. My mom's from Mississippi and my dad's from Louisiana. So they didn't believe in the things that parents here believe in. Like we didn't trick or treat. We didn't do sleepover parties. Um, we didn't do community dances. I didn't go to homecoming. I didn't go to my 10 year reunion. Um, we just didn't do that stuff because that's not what they grew up doing. Um, I did go to my senior prom, um, and it was really a hard decision for me because at that time, there was nowhere in McPherson that you could go to buy, like, black hair care products, like, nowhere. Um, there was nowhere you could buy makeup to match your skin tone, which is probably why I don't wear it now. So I couldn't go anywhere to get ready for prom. I did it myself. In fact, I have a, a memory of walking through Walmart with, like, curlers in my hair, trying to find anything that would make it do what I wanted it to do. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm a bigger boned girl. So my teeny tiny white friends were buying these cute little strapless dresses and they were paying like, you know, nothing for them. And I spent my whole Walmart paycheck looking for a dress that would cover everything the good Lord gave me, right? My whole paycheck to go to, to prom because that's what they were doing and I wanted to fit in desperately. But on top of that, here I am. I'm like a tallish black girl, but I can't run. I can't triple basketball. I can't block a shot. Like, I just learned how to walk when I turned 23. I have been, I like have two left feet. So in McPherson, a town that values basketball and sports, I was like worthless. But on the other side of that, I was too white for my family members. Y'all are sitting here. You're looking at me. I'm on the camera. You can see me. So you're like, okay, she is black. But if you were just hearing me, You'd be like, why does Zach ask this white girl to come speak for Black History Month? And I've gotten it my whole life. I'm too white for my black family. I'm too black for my white friends. So, I, like, in this desperate attempt to fit in, I tried to learn Spanish. 
It was awful. It was so bad. My accent is horrible, so I don't ever speak Spanish. You know, I understand more than I will ever say out loud, which comes in handy in my classroom sometimes, but no. I stopped there because I was pretty sure the Asian community would not be welcoming of me, so I just left it alone. But I've struggled so hard to fit my whole life, and I realized I didn't. So I wanted to go somewhere where my intelligence would not be frowned upon, that you know, it was okay for my, my voice to come out of this body and I would fit in and I would belong. Um, and that brings us to the present, where I'm gonna ask that you just pray with me because I'm gonna try really hard to give you just a few quick points and tie it into hope and then I'm gonna let you go. Okay, I'm a teacher and since you're campus pastor, who is phenomenal and wonderful and all those things that he said, did not give me a topic or a text. I did what teachers do best. I defined the problem, then I used a problem-solving strategy, and now I'm gonna fly by the seat of my pants and hope you don't catch on. So we're gonna start with a definition. So the definition um, that I found was in the Handbook of Bible Application, and it defines hope as anticipation, confidence, or faith. So then I started looking at some of my favorite verses that talk about hope. So here are a few. This is not all of them by any means, but Jeremiah 29, 11. Y'all know that one? Okay, so I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to bring you hope and a future. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. And Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the, into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has gone on our behalf. So for the purposes of the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or so while I have your attention, we're going to define hope this way, you and me. Hope is the anchoring confidence that allows us to move forward in faith, okay? So you can do whatever you want, define it however you want after this service, but just hold on to that for now. So as a fourth grade teacher, I found that it's really helpful when I break bigger concepts down into like more manageable steps. So for example, I'm teaching my kids how to do long division. Do y'all still do long division in college? No, okay, anyway. But you remember long division, right? You did it at one point in your life. Shut up, Zach. You did long division at one point in your life, right? Okay, so this is how I taught my kids. So you divide, multiply, subtract, bring it down. Woo! Just like that, okay? I taught, I taught the song just like that. And so I don't know that my kids remember anything that I teach them, but I think if I asked them the steps of long division, like 47% of them could sing that song back to me and know how to do long division. So I did not create a song for you. I tried really hard, but I couldn't get the tune right. So I just have four words for you to remember, okay? So some things for you to do to hang on to your hope right now when it seems pointless and stupid, and hope is like a tag word or a band-aid for things that don't, we don't have any hope for, okay? It's like um, we're just putting a, a, a boo-boo kiss. Y'all know what boo-boo kisses are? Okay, um, y'all don't know what boo-boo kisses are? Okay, thank you. I was like, please, your mama didn't kiss your boo-boos? Y'all need hugs. Okay, we're gonna put a boo-boo kiss on a broken system of broken systems, right? That's what, when, oh, I hope it gets better, right? But 
Right now, it needs to be more than that. It needs to be the anchoring confidence that allows us to move forward in faith. So here are the four things that I think you need to remember when you're struggling to hang on to your hope. Purpose, preparation, process, and patience. Okay, the first one is purpose. So when I was telling you about myself, I kept telling you how I wanted to get out of McPherson, right? So I did for a little bit. I left for college, I got married, I lived in some teeny tiny rural Kansas towns that make McPherson look like a Mecca. Um, In one of those towns, I worked at a grocery store and I remember um, there was a gentleman, he was maybe maybe 40, maybe 50, a a white guy, and he threw his money at me and then he wouldn't take his change because he didn't want me to touch him. And like this was maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, not, not 1960. He made it sound like I was way older than I am. I'm not that old. But but I'm living in, you know, the 21st century, and there is somebody who doesn't want to touch me because I'm black. Okay. I had some crazy experiences among that one. But then I got divorced, and I decided that I needed my mama. So I came back to McPherson. I dropped out of college when I got married because um, just short of graduation, my husband and I found out we were expecting And after the baby was born, I stayed home because daycare is ridiculous. And so when I got divorced, I had no education, no job, no money, and two kids. So I worked some sketchy jobs. I worked third shift at Quick Shop. Yeah. Whoever said, ooh, you get it. Like, I worked third shift at Quick Shop. I worked at a place where my paychecks bounced. Right, guys, when your paycheck bounces, that's not a good thing. I worked some sketchy jobs. And finally, um, I got hired as a para at Washington. And my supervising teacher, um, she was absolutely wonderful. And she said, why don't you go back and get your degree? And you could teach. You're good at this. And so I went back. I got my degree. And now I teach fourth grade at Washington. And so that was several years ago. Um, But I remember after I graduated and I got my job teaching at Washington that I was having a conversation with a gentleman that goes to church with me, and he said, you're here on purpose. You know, those kids in McPherson, those little, those black kids, they need somebody that looks like them. And I was like, shut up. All my life I've been trying to get out of McPherson, and God's been preparing me to stay? Oh, guys, that was ugly. It hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm serious. He said, no, you're seriously, you're exactly what the school needs. They need more black teachers at this school district. They need somebody that looks like them. I was mad. Oh, I was mad. But I want you to understand that even though I have been trying to get out my whole life, God was getting me ready to be the person that I needed when I was here and nobody looked like me. He was getting me ready to be the person I wanted to look up to but didn't exist. So I need you to take hope in the fact that you also have a future and a purpose. Even when you don't see it, even when the world is telling you that you don't look right or sound right for the part, even when you're from the wrong neighborhood and nobody in your family has ever been anybody, God has a plan just for you. Number two is preparation. And so the good news that I want to lead with is that you all are probably not as slow in the learning process as I am. Like, it took me a lot of extra practice to get it. I think of myself a lot like Moses. Um, I had to go to the backside of a mountain or third shift at Quick Shop um, and do some really ugly things in order to be able to hear God's voice preparing me for what he wanted me to do. 
But some of you are more like David. You know, you're already in your father's house. You're already taking care of the sheep. You've already got the stones in the pouch. So when it's time to fight Goliath, you're good to go. Those of you who are more like Moses, I'm here for you because you need to hear this because I needed to hear it. You are at Central because you wanted to play your sport and they offered you the most money or the only opportunity to do it. But if you, if they said, if you can pick Central up and move it, move it to Houston, Central will be in Houston. You would have picked it up and carried it if you could have, because you didn't want to be in McPherson. You know I'm telling the truth. You don't want to be here. You looked around and you're like, oh my God, I am drowning in a sea of white. There is nobody here that looks like me. You hate every second of it. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I want you to learn from me and from Moses. This stage of your life is on purpose. You're not here by accident. You're not here for yourself. This is not about basketball. It's not about baseball. It's not about your degree. This is about God preparing you for what he has for you. You are here for the lady at Walmart, and you know the lady I'm talking about. She's always looking at your hair. She wants to touch it. She looks at you kind of, you know what I'm talking about. You're here for the guy that's on your floor that thinks he's so funny, but he's really not funny. It's so offensive. You're here for that guy. You're here for the person you're going to be in 10 years on that job with those people who just, they push every button you have. You are here to show your parents that it's possible to live in a town like, Mike, like McPherson and to be okay, to be safe. So I need you to take hope in the fact that your right now is preparing you for your later. Number three is process. Okay, don't get fooled into thinking that you're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years here at Central, I don't know how long it's gonna take you to get out, um, is gonna be the end, okay? So it's a process. So Moses and I would like to remind you that the process can take years. Sometimes it can take decades. When you think you've made it, there's another step. So the Bible um, really does a great job of illustrating this with the story of the potter's house that you can find in Jeremiah chapter 18. Y'all, I thought I was going to be a cup, maybe a nice porcelain, you know, teacup that would just sit and be pretty on somebody's shelf. I thought with my education, I would get out of McPherson. I was going to live in Atlanta. I was going to be a doctor's wife. Oh no, I am not a cup. I am a pitcher. My job is to pour into somebody else's life. And some of you think you're going to be cups, but you're not. Something else important to understand is that you don't always walk in your process alone. Moses had Aaron and Jethro. David had Jonathan. I have had my mom and my sister and countless other people walking beside me, lifting me up when I really could not go on by myself. We're built for community, so that means we need each other, period. If you want to see real, meaningful social change, you're going to have to do it with the person next to you. We're going to have to do it together, black and white, black and brown, brown and white. We have to do it together. And when our processes overlap with someone else's, it blesses us both. So I'm going to give you a quick example. This summer, I was asked by a friend, um, she's white, and she's also one of my coworkers, to join a group called Be the Bridge. Um, it's a Bible study group that focuses on rec racial reconciliation. I prayed about it. I didn't really want to do it, but I prayed about it. I said yes, um, and just last month at our January meeting, I challenged the whole group. Yeah, challenged the whole group to walk intentionally towards positive change, to say yes, 
and, and stand up in their platform and do something positive towards racial, racial re reconciliation. And then your campus pastor asked me to come speak here. So don't challenge people is the moral of that story. But aside from that, she asked me, you know, how can we celebrate Black History Month together? And I was like, I don't know. Okay, so we, we brainstormed, we came up with an idea and our project made the front page of a McPherson newspaper. So I know that wouldn't have happened alone. How do I know that? Because I've been working at Washington almost five years now as a classroom teacher, and I've never had a project to make the front new page of the newspaper. I've never done anything that big for Black History Month. I did small things in my class, but I could, wouldn't have done it alone. And she couldn't have done it alone because otherwise she wouldn't have asked me. We needed each other in order for that to happen. So. I just want you to know that you're going to need other people too. We need each other. And sometimes those people will look like you, but sometimes those people will not look like you. They won't think like you. They won't agree with you, but you're going to have to walk together in the process that God has for you. So take hope in the fact that the process is intentional. The people that you connect with in your processes are intentional. The journey is not yours alone, and it's not just for you. Okay, the last part was patience. I'm trying really hard to get you out of here. Says, um, so this is my biggest downfall. I am not a patient person. I don't like to wait. I want to see change and I want to see progress now, which is probably why I've never lost weight because I go to the gym for like two weeks and then I'm like, I don't see it. I'm done. I'm done. So, um, but that's probably why Moses and I get along so well. Right, I get impatient and then I like jump in to help God out. And then rather than walking in my purpose or going through the preparation and the process, I get a hot mess, right? So the world has done us a huge disservice. They've done you all especially a huge disservice. And it's, it's on purpose. They've done it intentionally, but they want you to be a microwave generation. Y'all know what I mean when I say that? Okay, so you go across the street over here to Heartbeat. Do you just get black coffee? Anybody just get black coffee when you go to Heartbeat? Somebody give me your coffee order. Who drinks coffee? Right there. Give me your coffee order. Say it nice and loud. Medium hot mocha. You just get it just like that. Nothing extra. Extra shot, you know, like some whipped cream. No whipped cream. No extra foam. No soy. Oh, girl, you're doing good. Okay, most of us, we want it, like, we want it customized, right? I want a skinny soy vanilla latte, extra foam, two shots, whipped cream, sprinkles, cinnamon. Like, and we want it to be ready as soon as we get done saying it. We don't want to wait on it, right? And you're not getting a tip. Okay, that's not how God works, right? So if we're a microwave generation, God is a slow cooker. And it takes a long time. So James 1, 4 through 8 tells us that when we're done, though, we're perfect and without fault. So we have to have this, this process, and we have to be patient in it. And so the Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has promised to those who love him. Those are the things that God reveals to us by his Spirit. So, friends, and I feel like we're friends now because you've listened to me for the last 10 minutes. It's worth waiting for. Let him reveal his plan for your life. Patiently wait as it unfolds chapter by chapter, and you realize that there's hope in allowing him to take the lead. Let his spirit speak to yours and take hope in the fact that the future that God has for you, for us, 
for McPherson, for the United States, is worth the wait. We're not going to see it overnight. But if we're all doing our part and allowing God to move us in the right direction, we'll see it, and it's worth waiting for. All right, I'm almost done. I just want to give you a few free, completely unsolicited pieces of advice. Okay, because I'm black and I'm Baptist, we could be here all day. All day. I will sing a song to you, and we could pray, and then we could have communion and lunch, but I won't do that to you um, because we have places to be. So we're just going to revisit the definition of hope that I gave you at the beginning. So it's the anchoring confidence that allows us to move forward in faith. So if it's your anchoring confidence, you have to be really careful what you anchor yourself to. Okay, don't attach your hope to just anything. It took me a long time to get it right. I've been a believer most of my life, but I attached my hope to all kinds of things, to my intelligence, to the scholarship that I got, to the degree, to the right job, to a romantic relationship. Girlfriends, let me tell you, he loves you, but he can't save you. But that is a conversation for another day. So don't attach your hope to that. Okay, I attached my hope to starting a family, to having financial security, when I got the job, when I got the house. But while there's nothing wrong with any of those things, if your hope is in them, you're going to find yourself adrift. You're going to get lost. The truth is, if your hope is in anything other than Jesus, you're sunk. So I'm hating, I don't want to operate under the assumption that just because you're at Central, that you know Jesus. Okay, I know some of y'all are here for the baseball scholarship. But I'm going to encourage you not to try to skate in on your mama's faith or your grandma's faith or your dad's faith or your neighbor's faith, but to truly try Jesus for yourself. Because if you don't know Jesus, you really don't know hope. I can stand up here and tell you anything, but if you don't know Jesus for yourself, you don't know hope. So if you have not already done so, try him. Anchor yourself to the one who died for you because he loves you that much. Anchor yourself to the one who created you for such a time as this who has a purpose for you in this season, in this social climate. You'll find that life is worth living because the hope that you have in him gives you a purpose. It guides you through the preparation. It steadies you through the process. It allows you to patiently persist even as the world around you falls apart. And what better hope is there than that? Thank you. God bless you. And may he keep you as well and make his face to shine upon you. I'm done with you. And he said I could pray and send you out of here. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord God, I just thank you um, for these people who are both here in front of me and those who are on the other side of the camera lens. God, I know that you have a plan for each one of them. And I thank you that you haven't showed it to them yet, Lord, in the fullness of its glory. Lord, I thank you that you um, have given them this semester of hope, Lord, that I hope it spills over into a lifetime of hope. God, I hope that in these messages that they're hearing at these chapel services, Lord, that they are finding a true anchor for their souls. Lord, a true hope and a true salvation in you. I ask that as they get ready to leave this place, that you would continue to keep them um, in the palm of your hand, Lord, that you would protect them from the things that are out there to distract them, um, to slow down their progress, Lord, and to tempt their patience, Lord. Keep them safe from COVID. Bless their journeys, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.